Thank you for listening to the teaching podcast of Muncie First Church. If you would like to know more about us, go to MuncieFirstChurch.com. Or if you would like to support a ministry, go to the giving page, MuncieFirstChurch.com slash give. Well, let's jump into the teaching from this last week. Well, this morning we're going to continue our series, Sorry Not Sorry. If you missed it last week or you just weren't here or you're a guest this morning, if you're a guest this morning, we do want to say thank you for being here. We know how hard sometimes it is to just get to church. It's like you get up and you, you have intentions of doing, you know, I'm going to be there, and then something happens. The dog chews everything up or the kid sets the kitchen on fire. I mean, it happens, you know, stuff happens and it makes it difficult sometimes to get to church. And so we're glad that you're here this morning, Um, but we're going to continue this series. And if you missed week one, you can go to our website. You can listen to that sermon. We have our our sermons are always on our website or they're actually on iTunes. If you have an iPhone, you can subscribe to our podcast and listen to sermons. You there are so many sermons on there. You will get tired of hearing us. I mean, you could just listen to them for days and days, hours and hours. Um, But to catch up, what we've been talking about is what happens to us when we hold a grudge. If you were here and you remember we said that holding on to a grudge holds on to us. That that grudge does something in us and it messes with us, it affects us, it, it affects our, our heart and our attitude and, and, and the way we look at life in, in so many ways because it has this ability to just hold on to us. And this morning I want to talk about forgiveness specifically, but before we get there, we got to talk about fairness for a minute. Now, in youth group, the students just talk like I'm not talking sometimes. And so we're going to give you a moment to kind of participate. I want you to think for a moment. Think of something that's unfair. Something that's unfair. You got it? You need more time? We don't have more time. Sorry. I was told that somebody's got to get to a golf outing later today. We ain't got time. So <laughs> shout, just shout some things out. What is something that's unfair? Student loans. Bless you. Amen. I don't even need to preach. We'll just leave it at that. I heard something from over here. Just life. Parenting. Taxes. Oh my goodness, yeah. Anybody else? Racism. Yes. Yeah. Children with cancer. What was that? Just cancer, period. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we could probably just go on until 5 o'clock. I mean, we literally could just name thing after thing after thing that's not fair. And I mean, nobody has a hard time coming up with things that aren't fair. I mean, if you watch the news, if you watch sports, you are aware of unfairness. There's uh, This past week, uh, I was watching uh, ESPN, watching the highlights from the playoffs of basketball. And James Harden, if you know basketball, you know who I'm talking about. If not, just ignore for a moment. He's on there. Talking about how unfair it was. The referees, unfair. Just, you know, wish that he, his exact words, I wish we just had a fair shot. I'm sorry, that just sounds like somebody who lost and wants something to play. You know, that's just me. But I mean, if you've played sports in your life, we've all been there. You know, the umpires, they're unfair. The referees, unfair. I wish they'd call a fair game. Or, or school. School sometimes is unfair. Student loans, amen to that. You know, unfair. Sometimes teachers, are unfair. Sometimes students are unfair to teachers. We won't just beat up teachers. This is my opinion. Take it for what it's worth. I think the way we compensate teachers is unfair. They put up with a lot. I mean, they dealt with me 
And some of you, Al Holdren had teachers. I mean, as un- they needed a lot more money. A lot more money. You know, parents, sometimes our parents are unfair. Remember that as a kid, just being like, my mom and dad, if they only understood what it was like to be me. So unfair. Sometimes as we parents think our kids are unfair. Siblings. How many of you have siblings? I mean, you remember what that's like? They, they get to do it and I don't. Or they got this. And, and I mean, I remember buying my own car. My sister got a car. I worked for mine. She just got it. I don't understand. It's unfair. Sometimes work is unfair. Amen? I mean, sometimes you go in and it's like you work really hard and you're dedicated. And, and then the other guy gets promoted. The other guy gets the raise. And there's always somebody who's smarter, richer, prettier, stronger, more popular, better, or just more successful than you. And it seems unfair, doesn't it? It's just not fair. And when it's unfair, we hate that. We hate that. I mean, I feel like this is a pretty common thing that you would think as we got older we'd grow out of. Because I think when we're kids, we just think everything's unfair. You know, everything is unfair. Mom's unfair. Teachers are unfair. Brother's unfair. Everybody's unfair. But how about as adults? Do we ever fall into that trap? I mean, I'll admit it. I mean, she said it already. Student loans. I mean, things like that. That just, oh, man, it gets me. I, I think it's unfair. You know, kids having to deal with cancer. That is that just, oh, it makes, me, it makes me so mad. It's unfair. It's unfair. It's easy to fall in the trap of everything is unfair. Life isn't fair. And it's easy to get stuck in that pattern of where we, we live there and we think that constantly. And that's, that's, that's just our attitude all the time, no matter what we do. And in fact, this whole series of messages, if, if, if you stick around and, and hear all three parts of this series, it presents a struggle for me because forgiveness seems really unfair, doesn't it? The idea of forgiving somebody who hurt you seems incredibly unfair. See, forgiveness feels like the other person is getting away with something. You ever feel that way? Like when you forgive someone, you're just letting them off the hook. You're just letting them get away with it. Like they've taken something from you and and you need to pay them back so that you can get whatever that is back. So that you can kind of set the scales back to even. It is very unfair. And that feels unfair to, to most of us. And I would say that if, if you have had this, any of these experiences I'm about to list, they're all unfair. Somebody talks bad about you, that seems unfair. Somebody lies about you, husband or wife has an affair, someone's abused you, mom or dad left you, a boss overlooks you, uh, doesn't you know, consider your dedication to the company, a, a teacher makes you feel dumb, someone steals from you or cheats cheat you that's all so unfair and it doesn't seem right to forgive those people does it it's very difficult when the emotions and the feelings take over we talked about this in our group this past week that that the emotions when that when you get emotional about hurt past hurts it's really hard to want anything good for that person it is it's so overwhelming that you you just want bad things to happen to them And if I'm honest, the word unfair doesn't even seem big enough, does it? That seems kind of small sometimes when we've been hurt. We want, like, we want justice. 
We want, like, them, they, we want them to know how bad they've hurt us and how much they owe us and what that feels like. And we want not just them to know, but we want everybody to know that they've done us wrong. That hurt is sometimes very, very challenging to get over. You want to set it back right, but sometimes we just can't do that. You want them to get what they deserve. And, and see, we're, we wrestle with this question in life. How do we forgive those who've hurt us? How do we forgive those who've hurt us? Especially to go with the theme, sorry, not sorry, those who don't even care that they've hurt us. They don't, they don't care. They don't, they're not sorry at all. How do we forgive those people? I know this all too well in my own life. And, and I really... I'm struggling with wanting to share this as an example, but all week long, God just kept telling me, this is, this is your story, share your story. And when I was nine, eight, nine years old, um, myself, my sister, and a close family friend were all sexually abused by an uncle, by a family member. And for a lot of my life, I've... We, we, he went to prison, we dealt with it, had counseling, all that. I, I've never had trouble talking about it at all. In fact, I think that's in some ways why I've been able to deal with it the way I have is that I, I've never had a hard time talking about it. But I don't like to talk about it because I don't want to give it airtime. You know what I mean? There's no reason to give it airtime. I don't want that to have any authority or any power over my life whatsoever. And so, but I recently learned... And I've never thought about it this way, and I know that might sound crazy, but just hear me. I've never thought about it this way, but I recently learned that this person knew exactly what they were doing and in a counseling session told their, their therapist that they manipulated us. To, I mean, knew exactly what they were doing to like convince us that it was okay, that this was perfectly normal. And everything. And I have never known that until two weeks ago. And I'm telling you, I have been wrestling with this question ever since I found that out. How do you forgive someone who knows that they manipulated you, knows that they hurt you, knows that they knows exactly what they were doing? I don't know why I thought that he didn't, but he did. I've always just never given it that much thought, I guess. Maybe that was God's grace in my life that I just didn't think about it like that. But I never thought that he knew exactly what he was doing. And to know that now just has been messing with me, if I'm honest. And it makes this question really hard to answer. So let me just say, when I know what it's like when we say it's not easy to forgive people who've hurt us. It's not easy to just say, oh, well, we're going to let them off the hook. We're going to let them get a pass. It's not easy to answer this question, and it's not easy to deal with our past hurts when they come up. But I hope that this morning, as we look at our text, we can offer some hope and some advice and some encouragement for those of you who are here this morning that might be dealing with unforgiveness or just past hurts in general. So if you want to turn with me, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 18. And we're going to look at a story that is documented for us by Matthew, but it's about Peter and Jesus having a conversation. And if you're familiar with the, the gospel accounts, you've probably read this story before. Um, it, it's one of those that we, we preach on a lot and quote a lot. 
we're, we're actually going to skip the, probably the most familiar part of this story and cover that next week. And it's the time where Peter asks Jesus the question of how many times do I have to forgive somebody? We're going to skip that part and come back next week. And we're going to read this. This is the story that Jesus tells afterwards. He says this, Therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him since he was not able to pay. The master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay you back. Everything, sorry, he pay you back everything. The servant's master took pity on him and canceled the debt and let him go. Can you imagine this? What this would be like? I mean, Jesus tells the story of a man who owes his master more money than we can even fathom. It's, if, if the inflation on this would be crazy, to put it in modern day terms. Uh, I did some research. It's about $12 million, which doesn't seem like a lot. But if then you add the inflation on top of it, it's in the billions of dollars. And I know that most of us, we, we get that because we see billionaires in our culture. But I can't imagine owing somebody a billion dollars. If you can, let's talk because I want to know what it's like to have that much money. You know, I, I'm just curious what it's like to feel that pressure to owe somebody a billion dollars. Um, you know, I can't imagine that. And that's what this guy's dealing with. He's like, I owe my master a billion dollars. It would have taken him lifetimes to pay this back. Not a lifetime, lifetimes. If he gave him everything he had, he still wouldn't have been able to pay it back. And so what happens? He pleads with his master. And surprisingly, the master says, let's cancel that debt. Wouldn't that be awesome? You go to the bank to pay your mortgage. And they're like, you know, it's funny. It's just a uh, May thing. We're doing it this year in May. A little promotional. Trent's got running for us. We're just canceling your debts. Can we do that, Trent? Please? please? No, uh, you know, pay your student loans. Next thing you know, it's like, oh, you know, it's weird. We lost all the information about your student loans. It's just been canceled. I've been praying for that for years, but so far God has not answered my prayer. But I mean, can you imagine this? You would be on top of the world. You'd be ecstatic. You'd be losing your mind excited about the fact that your debt has been canceled. Here's what I know to be true of you. It's true of me. We are totally okay with how unfair forgiveness is when we're the ones being forgiven. We're fine with it. We are so fine with it that I think at times we even expect people to forgive us. So much so that we'll downplay what we've done. We'll belittle it. We'll make it seem small. Yeah, I know I lied, but I did it for a good reason. Or I cheated. I, well, I did it. Here's why. And, and, and you should understand my reasoning. You know, we said this last week that, that we, we always assume that people are going to know our hearts. I think this is true when it comes to forgiveness. We expect them to understand where we're coming from and they should see our side of it and be okay with it and just give us a pass. But what about when it's the other way around? We don't do that, right? Most, I mean, most of us don't do that. You know, I remember when we lived in Hartford City, we lived... For a long time, we lived three blocks from my grandma. My grandma, this is my, my mom's mom. And she was just an old grouchy lady. 
and she always just grouched about everything. But this woman smoked like a chimney. I mean, she emanated smoke like she was doing a magic trick or something. She just, her now cigarettes, man, she would light one with one. You know, you, you know anybody like that? That's like one's burning and she's lighting it with a, a new one, you know, or, or the old one. You know, that's, that's how she did it. And we lived three blocks from her. Our daughter Lila was, was a few months old. And my uncle was in town. I said, hey, if you get grandma to sit outside, I'll come down and visit. I don't want to take Lila in the house because, again, I don't want to wear smoke for the next six hours, you know, and I don't want her around that. This is what my grandma said to me, and I think this is so true. I think we do this all the time. She, she told my uncle, I'm not going to sit outside because smoking's not the worst thing you can do. Well, yeah, okay. I agree. It's not the worst thing you could do, but it is preventing you from seeing your only great-granddaughter, you know, and and... And it's, it's not the worst thing you can do. But she downplayed it. Made such a big deal out of that. Rather than the opportunity to see her granddaughter. And I think we do this all the time with our sin. Now I'm not like saying, oh, she's a terrible person because of that. You know, but, but it is sad to me that she never got to meet her great granddaughter because she just wouldn't sit outside because she wanted to smoke. How often do we do this with our sin? I think this is what the servant does in this story. Let's pick it back up. The next part says this. But when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants. This is the servant that had just been forgiven, by the way. He he goes out and finds one of his servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay pay it back. Does that not sound a little familiar from what we read before? almost like deja vu, but he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay, back, pay the debt. When the other servants saw what, he, what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said, I canceled all the, that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had? On you. So the same servant that owes like a billion dollars goes and finds somebody who owes him much, much less. A debt that wouldn't have taken a lifetime to pay, that he could have paid back with if given some mercy. And he refuses to give the guy a break. And when the master finds out, he's absolutely furious. He is, he is beside himself mad. And all because... He's like, hey, I was so good to you. I was unfairly good to you. And how do you repay me? By going out and finding someone who owes much, much less than what you owed me. And you refuse to let them off the hook. You you, you refuse to give them a break. You treat them so harshly. This is the master's response. It says, in anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is something that's always confused me. How's he going to pay him back in jail? I don't know. I was just, just a thought. Maybe there's a level of torture that you reach where it's like you've paid it back. I, I don't know. He says, this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. So in the very end of the story, Jesus tells us this, this great parable, this, this story, and then, he, and then he connects the dots. 
He begins to put the pieces together and say, hey, this is not just about somebody somewhere who, who owed somebody some money. This is about you and me. Well, Jesus didn't say me. You and me. This is about us. This is about us. When we don't forgive those who owe us, this is what happens. This is God's response to us. See, Jesus knew that if we could see what we have been forgiven for, all the things that we've been forgiven of, it changes our perspective on how we look at forgiveness. It changes the perspective that we have on the people who owe us something. Because here's the bottom line. Forgiven people forgive. Forgiven people forgive. And I think Jesus is not just saying that, this is, that, that forgiveness is the right thing to do, but he's saying that it's the right thing for you to do. It's the right thing for me to do. It's the right thing for us to do in our lives. Because when forgiven people forgive, it sets us free. And not just us, but the people that we, we are holding that unforgiveness from, that, that forgiveness we're withholding forgiveness from, it sets them free as well. And as we said last week, this is so much more about us and not so much about the people that have hurt us. Now, I think that we can begin by doing and applying this in our life immediately by doing exactly what the master did in this story. He cancels the debt. He cancels the debt. We need to cancel the debt. You need to cancel the payback of the people that have hurt you. The, 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 the father, the mother, the, the, the boss, the, the, the ex-spouse, the whoever's. We need to just cancel the debt and say, you know what? You don't owe me anything anymore. Cancel the judgment. And when we do, when we do this, there's a few things that, that we've, we are committing to giving up. Now, this is going to be fun, maybe not so much, a little, a little harsh or a little challenging, because I think when you have been hurt, these things I'm about to say here are the best. They are so fun to do. But when you commit to, to canceling the debt, you're making a commitment to give up a few things. And here's the first thing you're committing to giving up. Trash talk. Isn't it fun to talk bad about those who've hurt you? No one wants to admit it. It feels good sometimes, doesn't it? I mean, let's be honest, church. It does feel good a little bit to talk bad about those who've hurt you. And there's something inside of us that says, hey, I want everybody to know. And so we, we go on and we tell everybody and we just, we just trash talk about those who've hurt us. We talk behind their back. We get our family together. We, we, we even have conversations within ourselves about those people. And when you are canceling the debt, when you're saying, hey, you don't owe me anything anymore, I'm forgiving you, you are giving up on trash talking about people. You're saying, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm not going to let that kind of stuff come out of my mouth anymore. Second thing you're giving up is you're giving up on judging. Again, if I'm honest, kind of fun sometimes, right? Because we do this to lift our own spirits up. We judge people all the time. In, in fact, if, if you're here this morning and you're not a Christian, and you, don't, you don't normally come to church, one of the reasons you may not come to church is because church people, Christians, are judgmental. Right? I mean, that's, that's, that's what people have said. That's what we say. That's, that's, that's often 
been the case, unfortunately. And, and we do this, I think, primarily to make ourselves feel better. Because when we've been hurt, when we've been beat up, when someone has wronged us, judging them just feels like the right thing to do in that moment. Last thing, we give up on being a jerk. Can we Christians please stop being so mean? I know that there was some murmur there. I think sometimes the most ungodly, unholy people I've met in my life have been some of the nicest, kindest, most generous people I've ever met. And some of the people, again, not all, some of the people who should be the most holy, most loving, most kind, most merciful, most forgiving and gracious people, because not only do they have they been forgiven, but they know what they've been forgiven of, are just jerks. And they're not very nice. Can, can we, see, when, when we forgive people, we are making a commitment. We're giving up on talking trash, judging people, and being mean to them. And I know that may sound too simple, but we do this. We do this all the time as followers of Jesus. Let me give you some extra things here that I just kind of added after the fact that I think we have to give up on too. We have to give up on gossiping about people. We have to give up on self-pity and, and throw in ourselves a little pity partner because so-and-so hurt us. I said that a little southern drawly, like pit, pitters, a little pit, self-pitter. I, don't, I mean, can't even do it again. We, we, we got to stop wallowing in the past. We're making a commitment to say, you know what, I'm going to stop living in the past and what somebody did to me five years ago, ten years ago. I'm going to let go of that. And we're going to let go of our attitude of entitlement. I think it's like, it's like become the new thing to like talk about young people as being entitled. Church, let's be honest, we are all entitled in some ways. All of us. I don't care whether you're 85 or 25. We all think that somebody owes us something. And when we commit to forgive somebody, we're committing to saying they don't owe me anything anymore. They don't owe me anything anymore. I'm not, in, they're not, I'm not gonna have this attitude of entitlement. But let's be honest for a moment. Those things seem really small in comparison to maybe your hurts. Being left by a spouse, being cheated on, being lied to, being stolen from, being abused. Seems really small to just be mean, talk about them, and be judgmental. That seems like it would just be fair and just to do that. But see, Jesus' whole point in this is that not forgiving, not forgiving does not make it better. Withholding forgiveness doesn't make the situation better. Talking trash, being mean, judging them doesn't make the situation better. In fact, it's the exact opposite that if we want healing, if we want to move on and we want to reach a place where we're no longer holding on to the grudge, we've got to forgive. We've got to be able to let go of those past things. And because Jesus let go of our debts, we have the ability and the power to let go of the things that we believe people owe us. The Apostle Paul said it this way, and this is one of those passages that really rubs me the wrong way and bothers me because it's not easy to do. He says, bear with each other. 
That means bear with those who annoy you. Bear with those that are mean. Bear with those that you don't like. Deal with those that frustrate you at work. We all have somebody, right? I mean, there's always that one person at work that's just like, man, if they didn't work here no more, I'd be a good day. You know, bear with them and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And how does the Lord forgive? How does the Lord forgive? Completely. Without payback. Even though it cost him his son. Even though it cost him. Because of what he did on that cross, which we celebrated just a few weeks ago with Easter, because of the cross, you and I can do the same. We can forgive. And I think this is at its very core the essence of what it means to be a Christian. That forgiven people will forgive. That, that's, that's the crux. That's the whole reason that we get together every week. That's why we do what we do is that, that forgiven people should forgive. And we have been forgiven of so much. So much. And we have a, a responsibility and an obligation to forgive others. Uh, Jesus is clear in the scriptures on this point. You and I will be forgiven the same measure and the same level that we forgive others. And I'm telling you, that is a challenging scripture. Because I don't know that I always forgive to the level that I want to be forgiven. <laughs> right? I want my forgiveness to be like perfect every time like that I'm being forgiven. But I like sometimes to be able to withhold forgiveness from others. And Jesus says, it won't work that way. You will be forgiven to the same level and measure that you show forgiveness to others. Think about this for a moment. What have you been forgiven of? Don't say it out loud. But think about your life and what is it that has separated you from God. If you're here this morning and you've never you've prayed to receive Christ or anything, that what is it that is currently separating you from God? The, the, the scriptures teach that even just one sin separates us from Jesus, separates us from, from God. Just one sin. If I had to be honest, I'd say, well, I'm, I've lied. I've lusted. Because of that, Jesus teaches that I, I, I'm an adulterer. I've gossiped. I've stolen things. I've cheated. That was before I turned 15. Let's just get that. Let's get 15. I mean, I don't want to go 17 more years. We, this list is too long. What about you? What about you? Jesus has forgiven us of a lot. And so why don't I, why don't we forgive with the same level of grace and the same level of mercy and the same level of love that Jesus does? We must, church. We must get there. I want you to consider this today. Who has hurt you or made you angry? What do they owe you? What do they owe you? What would it take in form of payback to set that right again and for it to be fair? For some of us, it would, I mean, there's nothing that they could do probably, right? There's nothing that they could do that would ever make it right again. 
which is okay because Jesus has given us the ultimate example of what it's like to forgive in an unfair situation. He has given us the ultimate example of how we can forgive in an unfair situation. He went to a cross and died for all of us, and we will never be able to pay that debt back. And we don't have to because He did it for us. He has given us the ability, the the ability and the best example to follow. And, And I believe that God doesn't want you to feel tortured or to feel weighed down by what's unfair. He doesn't want you to waste time and energy on any of this past hurts or anything that's a grudge that you're holding, any of that. He wants to help you reach a point where you can forgive those who've hurt you and that you can say, I don't need them to pay me back anymore because they don't owe me anything. They're set free of that debt. Who is that person for you? Is it parent, a boss, child, old friend, someone else. Maybe it's someone here at church. Someone who's hurt you and, and you, you just keep feeling like they owe me. They've got to set it right. They've got to make it right. We've got to fix this and make it fair again. Here's your homework assignment. Sorry. You guys who just graduated are like, I am done with homework. No more homework. This is, this is, perhaps maybe one of the most powerful homework assignments you'll ever get. Here's your homework assignment. Go home. Get lunch first. Go home. (laughs) Write down on a piece of paper or a note card the name of the person that you think owes you something that's hurt you. And then begin to list. What is it that they owe you? What would it take to make it fair again? And then sign your name at the bottom like a little contract. And then write really big on it. The debt is canceled. So big that you can't even read the other writing. And then for good measure, just rip it up. Just rip it up. I really think that that would be so freeing. If we, I mean, if we physically do that, I think it would be freeing. But at the very least, if we just do it in our hearts and say, you know what? They don't owe me anything. That person that abused me, There is nothing he could ever do that would make that fair again. So why hold it against him? That person that lied to me, that person that whatever, whatever, there's nothing they're ever going to do that's going to set it right. So why hold it against them? Why hold that in you? Let go and forgive. Just give up on that. There's no reason to let that rob you of what Jesus has for you which is so much greater than carrying around a grudge or carrying around the past hurts. This morning, Nathan is going to sing a song and, and um, I, I really think it's going to reinforce what we've just talked about. And so uh, oftentimes we will open the altars and they are always open if you want to come and pray. Maybe you need to come and pray this morning. Maybe you need to come and, 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 help, and, and seek God and say, God, I need help forgiving because I just can't do it. And maybe you're saying, you know what, I'm holding forgiveness from someone who's in this very room and you need to go and grab them by the arm and say, hey, we're going to go to the altar and we're going to pray and and we're going to work this out. We're going to skip lunch if if need be. We're going to stay here and work this out until we're, we're set free. Maybe that's what you need, but maybe you need to just think about it for a moment and just allow this time of worship to kind of speak to your heart and 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 move you to a place where you could forgive. 
Or maybe you're in here this morning and you'd say, you know what? I'm not sure that I'm forgiven for the things I've done. And I'm not sure I can forgive somebody else just yet. And if that's where you're at, that's a great place to be. Because Jesus wants to forgive you. He has forgiveness just offered freely to you. All you have to do is ask him to forgive you. Just, just ask him. And if you want to be led in that prayer, I'll be up here. You can come and, and, and we can do that. Um, but with that said, Nathan's going to sing. And I want to read these words. Can you put the words up, Jim? Because I was reading them earlier and I forgot about this song. But man, it really is powerful. In tenderness, he sought me weary and sick with sin. And on his shoulders brought me back to his fold again. While angels in his presence sang until the courts of heaven rang. Oh, the love that sought me. Oh, the blood that bought me. Oh, the grace that, that brought me to the fold of God. Grace that, that brought me to the fold of God. He died for me while I was sinning. You know that, church? That while you were still sinners, Christ died for you and set you free. Needy and poor and blind. He whispered to assure me, I found thee, thou art mine. We'll just leave it at that. We have the opportunity to be his. We are his. If we just accept that. He, he, want, he wants to have relationship with you, church. Let's stand and we'll sing together. Let's pray together, church. Jesus, we are so thankful for your grace, for your mercy, for your forgiveness, Lord. Forgiveness that we could never earn is completely unmerited favor, God, that you have shown us and that we will never, ever do enough or be enough or, or to, to earn that. If anyone owes anyone anything, it's us owing you, Jesus. And yet you say, the debt is canceled. The payment is made in full. And we are so thankful today. I pray for those who are up here and, and maybe those, God, who are at their seat that are doing work right now with you. They're, they're dealing with some things and they're struggling through forgiveness of someone who's hurt them. God, I pray that you'd help them find the courage and the power to let go of those things and, and to reach that place of forgiveness. And that it wouldn't just be a moment that passes, but that they would hold on to it and, and the, the debt would stay canceled. God, help us do that. I pray that as we would go from this place, Lord, that we would just be people who are more loving, more gracious, and more like your son, Jesus. Help us, Lord. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So glad that you're here today, church. We hope you have a great week and that you join us back next week for week three as we finish this up talking about how to deal with our pain.